All right, the Leafs haven't been on the ice for a few days, but guess what? We're sitting down. It's Friday. Terry Koshan's here. We're going to kick around some Leafs topics. Obviously, the Leafs go into a two-game set this weekend and offer four more days against the Calgary Flames. But we haven't got to Terry to ask him about the season so far. So, Terry, the midway point was last season, or last week, last season, of course, uh, last week. What do you think of the team? What have they um, excelled in, and what's the things that you think that have held them back? Well, I, I think they've done a lot of good things. Uh, you know, you can't argue with the fact of, you know, where, wherever they were after 28 games. I mean, really, I think they were still in first place overall in the National Hockey League at their midway point. And, of course, now, you know, they've been caught points-wise uh, by the Oilers in the North. Um, but they, they, they've done a lot of good things. They, they've, uh, you know, other than Jimmy VC, who we saw this week was lost on, you know, off waivers to, to Vancouver, uh, the players that, that Kyle Dubas brought in uh, in the offseason all worked out really well. I'm not counting Barabanov and Letnick because they were signed, geez, almost a year ago now when we didn't know what was coming and all this sort of thing. And, uh, um, you know, of course, Letnick didn't quite go the way they wanted. I think they have a good goaltending prospect coming back. But the other the other four that I'm speaking of, Brody, Thornton, Simmons, Bogosian, um, they've all either met or passed expectations. So I think Kyle Dubas had a good offseason there. They've all come in and done their own thing, done good things. Uh, Brody, of course, has really helped solidify the D. And for the most part, we've the Leafs have got the Tampa Bogosian, not the Buffalo one. So there's been good things there. And you know, I mean, uh, one 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 thing they beat the drum on a lot during the offseason, uh, Jamie, the Kyle and Kyle or Sheldon and uh, and Dubas did was, um, you know, it's going to have to come from the core players, the guys that are here, are going to have to take that next step. And when Matthews and Marner have taken that next step and beyond, it's going to be do good things for the team. And we've seen that they're playing better structurally, um, five on five, all that sort of thing. Um, excuse me, the last little while hasn't been great, but I think we have to have some perspective and keep in mind that as, as uh, they said to us the other day, this happens to all good teams. They all go through these ruts and seasons, and it's it's what you do coming out of it. So I don't be cur- I'm curious to see how it goes against the Flames this weekend, of course. But, uh, you know, there's a lot. There, there should be a lot to like with what the Leafs have done through 30 games. Well, no, there's definitely a lot to like. And, I mean, we talked before the season started, and we talked about, you know, all the experiments that are going to happen. And Jimmy yeah. Vesey was one of them, so we'll touch on that. I think he was starting to find chemistry with uh, Jason Spezza down on that fourth line. They were starting to click. Uh, the only problem was, obviously, with uh, Campbell coming back off the LTIR, someone had to yeah. go on waivers, and it was Jimmy Vesey. And, you know, he's not exactly uh, a guy that's just a spare part. He can fit in your lineup and play, as we've seen, up and down mm-hmm. it to vary its success. Um, but now you kind of have an interchangeable part, hopefully, in Alex Galchenyuk. Um, all the good things have been said about him down in the Marlies. Um, he's not looked upon here to be a focal point of anything. Um, he can just go out and hopefully play a good game if he's with Nylander and Tavares. For you, do you buy into the Galchenyuk experience, and do you think he's going to have any impact on this squad, or is this a guy simply that's just too good for the AHL but not good enough for the NHL? Well, a few weeks ago I didn't necessarily buy into it because he hadn't, you know, how many opportunities did this guy get with, with so many different teams in the past three or four years? Yeah. Uh, I buy into it a little bit more now because he went down to the Marlies, played in the American Hockey League for the first time in his career, put his head down, put his nose down, and just went to work and, uh, you know, had more than a point a game with them, and the work ethic was excellent. 
Uh, he was great with his teammates. So he, he you know, I, I think he recognizes, um, you know, what is he, the 27? I think he's around 27 now. Uh, yeah, he's just turned 27, yeah. Yeah, so this isn't, you know, you never, you never want to say Lance Ch- or sorry, last chance for a guy, but he knows what's going on. I mean, he's the player. He's, you know, he knows that these opportunities, uh, you know, especially with one of the top teams in the league, just aren't, you know, going to be falling off trees for him. So I think that, you know, in the, in the I guess they got him on February 15th, so in the month that he's been with the organization, um, he's done, he's, he's probably done more than they've asked. They probably got more to him than they thought they would. And now, you know, we think he's going to get this opportunity. Um, is it going, is, you're right, I think the big thing is you make a good point. He, he doesn't, he's not going to be a focal point. Uh, if it works, it's a real bonus for the Leafs. If it doesn't work for them in the long run, are they really damaged that much going forward? No, they're not. I mean, it's really the same thing with losing Jimmy VC. I'm, I'm with you. He was starting to do some good things. We're talking about a fourth line guy. Yep. And they're pretty interchangeable. He showed he, he didn't belong in the top six. I mean, he got that shot. Demonstrated it didn't happen for him. So, um, you know, Galchenyuk, I, I think it's a great opportunity for him. And, you know, he's worked on his skating somewhat with Marv Underhill. And, and there's hoping there's an improvement there. But he had said to us the other day that, you know, the, those types of things, the, the improvements he was trying to make went back to the, you know, the off season over the summer and, and, uh, and all that. So, you know what, it, it's kind of a, I look at it, Jamie, as a no-lose situation for the Leafs of Delchenyuk. Um, if it works, excellent. If it doesn't, like I say, you're not in the long or short run going to be hurt by it too much. Well, one thing the Leafs have kind of been hurt by so far this season is goaltending. Um, we, we talked before we jumped on here about Freddie Anderson and, you had the question going into Kyle Dubas about Freddie Anderson and, you know, finding his game and, you know, becoming that goaltender. What's what's going on there, you know, way back to last season? And the answer he gave you, you know, basically was, you know, Freddie will find his game. He plays through it. He plays through these things and he figures it out. Um, wondering for you, you know, you look at Freddie's body of work, you look at everything going on, and now there's rumblings from the fan base. I wouldn't say the media because I don't see it out there through the media, but definitely through the fan base that, Maybe we should trade him at the trade deadline and find somebody else to, to fill the net. But I don't know, if you trade a guy off your roster like that, do you have anybody to fill that spot right away? Jack Campbell may be the guy, but he's been injured this season. Um, and then what are you getting off the trade market? Who's available and what's the price going to be there? And do you shore up up front and the D as well? You, you can't do everything, right? No, you can't. <laughs> no, I, yeah, well, I, I don't think you trade him at the deadline. I think you stick with what you have. And you also keep your fingers crossed to the degree that Jack Campbell can stay healthy, like you say, because we've seen that when he is, he makes a difference for them. Um, you know, the, the thing that with Anderson that kind of, you know, sticks in the craw a bit is that he, like, at, at his age, he shouldn't be, you know, he's talking yesterday about, uh, you know, wanting to be, uh, he has like, having the great the ability to be a great goalie in the NHL. Well, that should have been established by now at his age. And when you have, you know, when you're in the last half of your uh, of your um, of the final season of your five year contract with the Leafs, you would like to think that a goalie doesn't have to come out and say those sorts of things. But you know, this is where we are. This is where they are with Freddie, and uh, you know, you have to see a rebound that you necessarily. Well, I wasn't going to say necessarily haven't seen because he was he was really good, obviously in the in the, in the uh, qualifying round against Columbus. Um, 
but now you know we've seen for the for the first half the the inconsistencies that, that plagued him a lot through through last season. And you know the, the, one of the telling things to me, Jamie, is when Kyle and Dubis did this in the summer. I can't remember when it was the summer and the off season. It kind of all blends together. But yeah. one of his availabilities, he talked about you know. He was kind of handpicking games last season where, where where Anderson had turned it around, and he did that again with us. When we talked to us this week. The problem with that is that this if you're talking about a guy, a goaltender who you know should be thought of as the elite goalies in the league, you shouldn't be able to go through the schedule and say, okay, he played well here, he played well here, he played well here. It should be more or less all the time. And the odd the odd thing you should be picking out is where he didn't do things very well and for the best goalies that just doesn't happen very often so um, I don't know he kind of hinted at health things yesterday but you know by my eyes he's, he's been moving around fine in the crease I mean that seems to have been an issue for him I know he's had you know some, some injury uh, nagging things this year but like you said all players do I don't think there's any goalie in the National Hockey League right now who's playing at 100% um, so you know I, I don't think it's a gamble necessarily but you know, when the Leafs have made the improvements uh, defensively, like they have, and you've seen the growth, the, the continued growth and maturity, and, and really dominance of Matthews and Marner, and you know other players have done well. You know, Nylander's uh, turned it around, and and um, you know Zach Hyman being Zach Hyman, all oh, these yeah. things. You hate to see those things fall off and not be seen to fruition through the playoffs because your goaltending was up and stuff. And, and I guess the other thing we should say, too, for the first time, Jamie, if the Leafs have a read now that they keep Anderson and it's not working for them through, you know, you know, post-April 12, post-deadline, they're awfully confident in, in turning to Jack Campbell and saying, okay, let's see what you can do with this and we're confident you can make it work. Um, there's not a similar confidence in Michael Hutchinson, so you, you keep your fingers crossed again that Campbell stays healthy. But they have, they have an option now. The point is that they haven't had it in the Anderson years, really. Um, not since McElhaney, at least. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes, but uh, I think it's, it's, you know, it's right to have a little bit of doubt there with Anderson, at least, because, you know, he can make the big save for you, but there are two still uh, enough goals going in that shouldn't be that, you know, are cause for concern. With the two games this weekend, I'm wondering for you, obviously they probably are going to go Freddie Campbell if Campbell's yeah. ready to go. Um would you give Freddie both games where you got four days off to no. keep him fresh and ready to go? No, no, just don't. Because uh, not, you know, I, I, I'm with you. Freddie, Freddie, Friday, Campbell, Saturday. Um, Campbell, if Campbell's all set and ready to go, you know, uh, put him in there uh, tomorrow night, obviously. And then, you know, with, with Anderson starting the first game, I just think you have to have that confidence in him. Dubas uh, said this week he did. He had the confidence. I could be kind of interesting if he, you know, got behind his goalie verbally with us and they turned around and put the other guy in net to start this two-game set. Um, you know, it's, it's only one more day of rest if if, uh, if Fred would, you know, go tonight because they don't play again go, um, you know, Thursday in Ottawa uh, than if he had started tomorrow. So I, I think he'll go, he go Anderson Campbell and, uh, you know, um, have confidence that both can help you get a victory. No, I look at it like that, and this is a. It's funny because this game here is the the Muzzin return, and could be the Campbell return as well. 
Um, so there's a little bit of fireworks there. Have you heard anything from the Leafs players about that? Uh, obviously, they've already played beyond the puck flip and everything that happened right. in Calgary, but now Muzzin will actually be in the factor there. And you know that Tuchuk is probably going to say something or do something, and you know it's going to be a little bit of fireworks. But have you heard anything from either side about that, where they're kind of looking forward to meeting each other? Not really. I mean, again, I think those things will come naturally, and I think anytime a Kachuk is involved, there's this potential for that, which is fine. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know that he drives Leafs fans crazy, but that tells me he's doing exactly what he should be doing and yep. an effective hockey player at the same time. So, um, when you're playing twice in 24 hours, I don't know what we'll see uh, tonight, but tomorrow night perhaps, and you know. Um, We'll have to see how it goes. I mean, you know, you know, Wayne Simmons is back in there. Uh, you know, that adds that element as well. And and, uh, yeah, and he'll be, you know, you know, shooting out of the gate like a cannon. So, you know, I, I like I said, I think it's going to if it happens, it'll be natural. I don't necessarily know that uh, that it'll be a lead off of what's happened in the past. But having said that, players don't forget either. So no, they they, they definitely don't forget. I mean, you touched no. on Wayne Simmons there for a second. Actually, I'll ask you about that. Um, you know, he, he was hot and cold yesterday. Uh, some of the comments I read, he said, yep. you know, if it feels good enough, I will, or maybe not, or, you know, it, it wasn't a definitive thing. Um, do you get a read on that? Do you think he's going to be in for at least one of these games this weekend? Yeah, I do. I think so. Um, you know, he, he had the extra rest this week, like, like everybody did. And, and, uh, you know, just where he's been in practice the past few days, um, Obviously, the, the recovery after practice yesterday and how it went for his wrist is going to be a determining factor. But uh, I'll be really surprised if he doesn't get in this weekend and, and at some point. And, and you know, the thing is, too. I mean, you could, the Leafs could lie to look at it and go, "Well, you know, we don't play again until Thursday," and that would, you know, more or less be an ironclad guarantee with those extra with those other four days off coming that that he would be, you know, as close to 100 percent as possible for Thursday if he doesn't play this weekend. But uh, you know, he, he's, uh, what, I think Saturday is six weeks since the injury. Yep. And the, the original di- or, uh, the original prognosis was six weeks, so here we are. And uh, I was at practice on, uh, on Wednesday. He looked good to me. I mean, he came out later and said he felt fine and everything. So um, it's just a matter of, you know, I guess he can appear to be fine all we want him to be. But like he said to us, if... You know, if I can't do those things I can normally do with the puck along the boards and being effective in front of an ass, he said, you know, I'm not being used the way I should be used because of my health, and then that's a detriment to the team. So, you have to put some stock in that as well. But the fact of the matter is that he's cleared medically and he's demonstrated that he can do those things and then get him in there and let him go. Because, um, again, he was, you know, like he had, what, all five of his goals in the, in the final six games before he got hurt, including two the night he did get hurt. So... There's that, and there's what Keith talked about with us last week, Jamie. The um, you know, just just a different feel around the team with him out, and a different feel on the bench and the room, and and uh, you know, um, I, I think a Leafs team that still is where it is in the standings, but coming off this little skid, could, could use that uh, use that little jolt, if you will. And yep. uh, you know, now with Simmons, I guess one small bonus this is he hasn't played since February sixth, so. If he can, you know, stay healthy, and, and this injury that he got was a freak injury. I mean, I don't know how many players I've seen in my time covering the game get, you know, broken rest off a clearing attempt. You know, it just never really happens. Um, but, uh, you know, the added rest now might do him really well in the final couple of months. And 
don't keep their heads above water standings-wise. So I, I would think he gets in this weekend. I'll be really surprised if he's not playing tighter tomorrow. No, you're definitely the energy he brings and the 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 element that he brings, not just with his play, but just the way that he sparks people. Like I remember that fight he had during the beginning of the season, and he wasn't even looking at the Montreal bench; he was looking at his own bench and yeah. telling them to come on and dragging them across that line that we talked about. You know that many of these Leaf players don't usually cross, and it may make these guys feel a bit tougher. And a lot of people say, you know, oh well, you know, players don't play two inches taller just because one guy. Well, you know, we've seen it here, proof in the pudding with the Leafs. You know, what Simmons brings is not only the physical aspect, but also the chirping and the getting under guys' skins and drawing penalties and doing all those little things that we talk about a Marshan or we just talked about the Chuck brothers. Those things matter, and if he's doing those things, he's got somebody else off their game. That's what the Leafs need, and that's an element that is missing because they don't have a real spark plug feisty guy. Hyman can do it, but he's not. He doesn't have the the mouth for it. You know, he can do it with the body, but the chirping and stuff like that, it's not there. And with Simmons, it definitely is. And you can see a few other guys follow along with him when he's going to do it. They're like, yeah, well, then I'll say something. If, if Sims is saying it, I'll say it too. You know, I look at that. Another guy that um, is looking to kind of get released from the cage, so to speak, is Muzzin to get the cage off. Um, any word on that? Is that coming off this weekend, or is that still something that's got to stay on? Well, I don't know if he was talking about it yesterday or not. <laughs> I didn't uh, work yesterday. I don't know if he was available, but I know that he had, the last thing he said to us about it was it was going to be still on for the foreseeable future until that bone healed. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting too, right? Because if you go back and watch uh, one of the goals last week, um, you could tell he got, uh, it might have been the Ottawa game in Ottawa. He was caught looking down at the puck along the board. I think it was a, it was a Brady Kachuk goal. And you could just tell that on that replay that the, the, the full face shield had something to do with his um, with his visibility. And, he, you know, if, if you even briefly lose track of where the puck is in your feet, somebody else can take it and go. And we kind of saw that a bit with, uh, with one of those goals last week. So... You know, it's, he, he said it's been a bit of a hindrance and a pain in the butt, but, uh, you know, the, the important thing for him is to get that uh, cheekbone healed before it comes off. So um, he's managed through it, and uh, it's not ideal, but, uh, you know, like you say, when it does come off, I think it'll be much closer to um, Jake Muzzin that we've known. No, for sure. I, I see sometimes, too, not that he's let up, but I just, you can see the the wince or whatever when he's in the corner, just doesn't want to get hit up high with the shoulder or anything along that face. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean, anybody's tentative coming back from any kind of injury, whether you're playing hockey or just in, in normal life, you know, you're yep. a little hesitant to use it or have anything touch it because you're afraid that something's going to go wrong. Another yep. guy, though, but I've been hearing amazing things about this week, and even Sheldon Keefe has raved a little bit, is Austin Matthews and his wrist. Um, it seems like the release is uh, lethal. He said he was shooting the lights out, filling the net with pucks. So I'm wondering for you, Terry, um, you got to see a little bit of him this week. What do you say about Austin Matthews and the wrist? Is it coming along a lot better, do you think? Yeah, it is. I think, you know, you can't underestimate the fact that he would have been off the ice for a couple of days and just, you know, that rest. And I, you know what? I, I didn't know the Leafs, the, the, uh, the Leafs' weekly schedule going into it practice-wise. I, I just figured that they would, um, you know, take – we knew that they were going to take Monday off, obviously, because they always take the day off after a back-to-back, or at least 99.9% of the time. But, you know, to take Tuesday off as well and really give the players that, that really, uh, you know, that 48-hour span when they know they're not doing anything was key for all of them. But when you're with your Matthews and you're one of the things 
that makes you such a, a good player is, you know, having an effect, and that rest, you know, almost increases tenfold. And, you know, we, uh, it's interesting with him, eh? Like, I mean, in the, the games where it wasn't an obvious issue, he was still managing to put the puck in the net through various ways. Not that you needed more proof, it just tells you what kind of player he is, but now that he gets it back, it opens the doors for so many things. You can get your power play going again. Um, and getting him back in his regular spot where he can put that shot to use and all these other things. So, you know, it's, uh, again, the, the Leafs get through an issue with him where, you know, I guess they lose five or six, but they're still in a really good spot in the standings. And, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that we're going to, like, if we see if, if what happens is practice, he gets the opportunity in games then we're going to see it back again. You just have to hope that with the nature of this injury game, like they've, they've set themselves to set all along, a nagging injury, heal itself, keep playing through it. You know, you hope it doesn't revert back to to, have, to being the, where it was and having the impact on the game that it's had for the past few weeks. But uh, all of the signs this week are encouraging, and that's all you can ask for right now. No, it definitely is. Now, uh, another player I want to ask you about, he's been bandied about in trade rumors, and obviously, you know this time of year is hard on guys. I mean, last year, um, you know, before we got the COVID stop, a lot of people were talking about Kaepernick and Janssen moving out. Um, but another guy this year is Kerfoot, um, one of the most expensive guys down in the bottom six. Um, he's been asked to do a lot, obviously, in the second line, center of the third line at times, beyond the penalty kill. Um, but for whatever reason, every trade that is coming up or every proposal, it's Kerfoot going out the door to make the salary work. How much does that weigh on a guy? And I mean, obviously he probably hasn't said anything publicly, but you know, how much would that weigh on a guy in your experience being around a team? Well, you know what? I I think it really goes from person to person. I don't think you can, you can have an umbrella answer to that. This is how it affects people. Because I think each, some guys are rolls off their back, Jamie, and other guys, I'm sure, it keeps them up at night. I can't tell you one way or the other, uh, 100%, which which category or whatever you want to call it, Kerfoot fall into there. Um, but, you know, Kerfoot's not a dumb guy. He's a smart human being. He can, he can see, you know, what would have to happen if the Leafs or want to add a top six player. And, you know, it's nice that Dubas would have a, uh, a top prospect on the table, like you said, it was this week, or you'd be willing to trade one. You're still going to have to do something financially. And, you know, <clears throat> if Kerfoot's the guy, he's the guy. I, again, you, you'd like to think that the person that they bring in, if, if he's one of the people moving out, is going to give you more than odds Kerfoot has. And, yeah. Um, you know, so I, 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 don't, I don't think you can necessarily look at it and go and say, yes, this has had a real detriment on his play. I think his effort's always good. And, and, and all this sort of thing. It's just, um, you know, uh, playing on the line with Nylander and Tavares, you would have, of course you would have liked to see more production from him. Like you know, by the time he was taken off, it was one assist in eight games or one assist in nine games with them or whatever it was, something in that area. So you would have liked to see more more actual tangible production. But, um, you know, uh, if making it work on the third line, again, you brought up the salary there and how he's an expensive third liner and that's really not ideal for you. That's not really ideal for a lot of teams, but especially with one that, you know, has the, the, the cap considerations the least do. So, point is, I, I think if Donald Davis is going to make any type of splash, or at least a, a fairly significant one between now and the 12th of April, you know, you're going to have to move a name player out of some sort. And 
person like every, like everyone was thinking might be that guy. We'll we'll see. I mean, I don't you know as far as prospects go, I'm curious about that too. I don't think they move Rasmus Sandin. Um, you know, I don't don't think you can move a defenseman at that age, no matter who you're getting back. Um, but Kirk is certainly a guy who will wake up April 13th and he's gone. I don't think he'd be a very big surprise to anybody. No, no, I agree with that. And I, like I see, I said, I see all the the different rumors, and he's the guy that's everybody's got in every single deal, whether it's on TV, with paper, media, it doesn't matter. That's the guy that's in there. But I want to ask you about that. Obviously, Kyle Dubas, he didn't exactly come out and say that he wants to make a big splash, but he didn't exactly uh, shy away from the fact that everything's on the table and it takes two to tango. Do you see Kyle Dubas addressing this roster and adding to it? Um, I know last year he had plans to, and then we had the David Ayers game, and that kind of poo-pooed anything that was going to happen. So I'm wondering, this season, you got the Leafs, you got this window, everybody's kind of rolling. Um, you know, you're gonna if you could add players to this um, and go for a push, do you see him adding one, two, or you know, obviously we also talk about lineup continuity. You don't want to mess with the chemistry you have too much either, and bring too much in and throw things off. But do yeah. you see him adding? Yeah, I think. Well, I certainly gonna try. I'll be. I think right now, just given what with what he said to us this week, I'll be a little more surprised if he doesn't. Uh, I, and I don't think it, a, a no trade would come about through lack of effort on his part to, to make something happen. Um, you know, it's an interesting year. I mean, look, in the, in the past couple of years, Dubas has got these things out of the way well out of the deadline. They, they traded for Jake Muzzin on January 31st, I think, two years yep. ago. Uh, last year was, what, February 5th for Clifford and uh, Campbell. So well ahead of the deadline, obviously, the, uh, the, the the calendar the way it is this year and, um, you know, protocols and all this sort of thing would behoove you to get these things done earlier. Uh, but that may not happen. So, you know, the closer we get to the deadline, if he's not seeing anything that he likes, does he pull off it? Because by the time you get a guy who's coming from the States, he's, not, he's barely going to play for you in the regular season and, and won't have time to get integrated into the system and all that sort of thing and, and not be the impactful player you, you were hoping he would have been had he been earlier. So there are a lot of factors that go into it, but I, I think the big thing for me is when he says during his availability that, um, you know, did he say we're all in? No. Did he say we're looking to make, we're, we're, we're looking for a top six guy? No, but what he did say is they want to, you know, uh, get somebody at forward. And um, when he says a one-word answer, would you make a top prospect available? And the answer is yes. Then he's not looking for depth. He's looking for somebody to play in the top six. And, uh, you know, he said that, in his mind, Jimmy, uh, the word he used for defense and goaltending was stable. So they're, they're, you know, they're they're confident there that they have the people that they have. I don't disagree with them. If, if you want on Anderson, that's fine. But um, I don't think you have to do anything with the defense score. I think you're okay there. You're fine there. Um, you know, but having said all this, too, I, I, do, does he absolutely need to go and make a trade to add to his top six or forward group? And which would thereby give them a, a better chance of, of really doing something. I don't necessarily see it. In the case of an injury, yes, uh, you would have to do that, but that's not, you don't know that at this point. I, I just really like the, the way that the group has, has worked so far, and um, like we talked about earlier, the additions have all been good. I, all of those guys outside of VC really came in, would have really come in and done well. And, uh, you know, um, the, who knows? Galchenyuk, an X factor. I mean, 
That's what I was about to ask you. If he does well this yeah, weekend, do you make a move? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I think I think it has to go past this weekend. I mean, you, you know, there's got to be a bigger sample size. But again, how big can it be? That's what April I mean. April 12th yeah. looming, and each day you get closer. April 12th is is one more day of of a guy's quarantine that is, you know, before he's going to be able to join your team. So um, there, there's a lot. Of, there are a lot of the balls in the air here for for do this. He's, you know, use any cliche you want. The, the whole tightrope um, uh, walk act that he's doing, but. Uh, Listen, if, 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 if April 13 comes around and he wasn't able to make that that deal that some people would like to see him make, as, as Morgan Riley said earlier this week, the sky won't be falling. I mean, it's still a good hockey team. Oh, yeah. And, and you have to hope that, you know, they do enough things that uh, can take them on a long playoff run and you get the goaltending. But, um, you know... This isn't a team that's achieved what they've done so far standings-wise through smoke and mirrors. They've done some good things. And, you know, this last little skid notwithstanding. But uh, it's not a group that you look at and go, oh, my God, if they don't make this, this, and this trade, they're in big trouble. I don't think anyone should be saying that about them. Well, you know, the fuss has been made about adding the top six forward or adding a forward, as Kyle Dubas said. Um, but I look at it like this, and I, I'm a Patriots fan for a long time, so I always look at the next man up mentality. You know, who do you have to plug a hole? And I look at the defense, and, you know, you could say the forward group, yeah, you could add another top six forward, but you do have a next man up there. You can put players in there that you have on your taxi squad that can fill a void, or you can move guys up and down the lineup to fill spots. You look back on the defense, though, and just per se, you lose a Muzzin or a Riley or a Brody or even, you know, Hall this year with the way he's playing. Who's the next guy up? An unproven Sandine? an unproven Lilligren. I know they've made strides, but, you know, then you have Marinson and things like that. That, to me, I think the back end, adding another piece, and I know at home everybody wants. I don't think that's going to happen. A little bit too expensive. In in my honest opinion, maybe it does. But I look at that defense and say, okay, if you have one guy drop up, who's your next man up? And it's not the same caliber. And adding one more piece back there, to me, would seem more important than adding a guy up front where you have you know, the next man up already with guys that are sitting and waiting, like a Travis Boyd, whether it's Pierre Ingvall, it doesn't matter. You can move, Mikheyev can play up with Nylander and Tavares if need be, if Galchenyuk doesn't work. But you know what I mean? If you lose a guy, you have a plug-and-play option up there. We're on the D, it's it's not so proven. I mean, you do have Sandin and Lilligren, yes, but are they ready for the long haul, for the playoff push? Are they ready for that type of grind? And I look at it right now and say, I don't know. Uh, I'd rather have something proven back there if one of those guys happened to get hurt in the top four. But that's just my thought process on it, looking at it the next man up kind of mentality. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that that uh, that feeling on it. There's no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, because I, I, I think that if you thought Sandine could have been, you know, that guy, if you think, put it this way, if you don't make a move on the blue line and you think Sandine can be that guy for you in the next couple of months, then he probably would have had a much greater opportunity than he's already had. Yep. Right? And again, but they have liked their they've liked that six. And uh, you know, Miko Letton, I know that, you know, Keith goes back to no exhibition and everything. Well, a lot of players were in that category and it just didn't work with him. And uh, you know, they like the things that Dermot Bogosi have done together. Um you know, if you had kept Miko Letton in and, and not traded him had him as an option, uh you know, does that help you that much more down the stretch if injuries occur? 
you know, you, I don't think you can really say one way or the other because we didn't get that sense from him in, in the nine games that he played. Yeah. Um, but I, I, listen, I see your point, Jamie, with it. Like, you're, there is that concern there that say that injuries occur, and, and in whatever world it is, Lilligren um, is then forced into your sixth role. But I, I think you know they 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 just speaking from what they're thinking, they like the depth with really the four of them, and uh, by that I mean Sandine, Lilligren, Rosen, and Marincha, and um, you know it's. Obviously, the feeling is if, if Deuce saying he thinks his defense core is stable, then their their inward feeling is okay. Well, if there is an injury along the way, you know we can get through that. But like you say, if it's a if it's a top four injury, then that kind of that that changes things quite a bit for you. Um, but you know, it, it, again, it, it's one of those things where you, if you can have if you can somehow work in work in the luxury of getting another depth defenseman. Then do it, but yeah. you know if your priority first is to get a forward, then any asset you might have moved to, or used to add on the blue line, you might have you might be taking up with your forward group. So again, it's going back to what I was talking about with Kyle and, and, and walking the tightrope and, and trying to figure these things all out and, and doing it when you know that whoever you're getting is not going to be in your lineup for a couple of weeks, no matter what. So it's um, I certainly don't envy them, but uh, this is why they're paid to do what they do. And um, you know, as far as the blue line goes, if you can stay injury free, I think you're okay. You're fine. But like you say, that's the next factor that you can't guarantee right now. So what do you do? Yeah, no, definitely can't guarantee it either way. Um, the the other thing I want to know too is for you, obviously, a lot of different forward names out there that have been brought up. Um, top six wise, Taylor Hall, uh, Philip Forsberg. Um, I've seen, you know, Nick Foligno down for the third line, Eric Stahl kind of poo-pooed coming to Canada, but he was another name that was bandied about. For you, obviously, if it's top six, do you see, I mean, Taylor Hall's an all-world player when he's in the right situation, and he wouldn't be, again, another uh, line I'll use, he wouldn't be the focal point of the offense. They've already got guys for that, so he might be able to go out there, not under the radar because he's still Taylor Hall, but he would still be able to go out there and play his game without so much of a target on his back if he wasn't able to perform every night. But, I mean, if you're playing with guys like Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, you name it, I mean, it's kind of hard if you're an all-world player not to elevate your game to that level. I mean, put Buffalo aside. Obviously, they're going through what they're going through. Um, I don't even think Taylor Hall would have thought of been like this. But do you look at Taylor Hall or Philip Forsberg, what kind of player do you think is the one they're looking for for that top six? And we'll throw Granlin in there too, even though um, they did try to lure him here in the summer for a cheap contract. I mean, he's another name bandied about, but I guess those are the three big ones. Is, is there a name that I'm missing or that you might think be a good fit with this team that nobody's talking about? Because that seems to be what Kyle Dubas' MO is. He always finds the trades or does the things that nobody expects. Yeah, well, it's not that no one's talking about Paul Mary uh, out of Jersey's another, you know, um, option for them, I think. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of an interesting thing because, you, you know, you, you, are they, do they want a winger? Um, it appears that way. But, you know, if you – you can never have too much depth at center either. It's like you're, you're talking about the depth at defense. You can never have too much there. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Taylor Hall, say, say for argument's sake, it becomes a Taylor Hall for you, and it's, they're somehow going to make that work. Uh, I'm with you on that. I, you know, you've got, we, we say top six, but the Leafs have um, a lot of really good players in that top six already. So you're not, 
no matter who they would acquire, you're not you're looking at the player and saying, come in and help fix this, or come in and make it 10 times better than it already is. That's not what that's not what this player is going to be expected to do, no matter who it is, provided they make that acquisition. Uh, going to be asked to come in and compliment what is already a really good group, right? Yep. So, uh, so I think you're right in that regard that it, 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 there isn't the quote-unquote pressure from that way. Now, listen, any guy coming in is going to feel it. I mean, I would think you say, okay, I've just been traded to the Maple Leafs. They're here. They are in the standings. They have, you know, player A, B, C, and D in their top six that are all really good. Now I have to make sure that I can enhance that. So there will be pressure on in, from that part of it, I suppose. But again, if we're using Hall, this is one example. Um, you know, I would think you'd swim across Lake Ontario to get a Buffalo if it meant coming to the loops, right? <laughs> so, you know, you're going to have that enthusiasm just get out of there and, and come and help, you know, any way you can. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I, again, there's there's a lot of things here that, that he has to make work, Dubas. And you're right, I, I do agree with you, too, on, you know, the whole... Uh, the idea that he can, he can, um, you know, and he has done in the past, come up with trades that you know we aren't necessarily expecting, um, and, and make those deals and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's there's always that too, and I don't know. I, I just think that with, with the group they have up front, you're looking at someone to come in and and, uh, and um, obviously help enforce it, not lead the way. And uh, you know, that can be a benefit to that to that player to know that he doesn't have to be that person for them, but. Um, again, if, it's, if it is a Taylor Hall type, then I think you'd get a, a different player than what we see in Buffalo. I think anybody who gets moved out of Buffalo, and I'm sure there'll be some people, are going to be a lot different to the to the next team that they go to. So, I'm wondering if um, you know Kyle Dubas kind of wet his own appetite last year during the trades with Robin Leonard. I think it was last year, or maybe the year before, where he retained salary to help make the salary work. Now I'm wondering maybe this year he goes and tries to do that himself. You know, maybe that's why he's waiting for another dance partner, because you obviously have Buffalo retain whatever they can retain, then third party team retains more, and that works towards your cap, and that might be what he's looking for right now, and not having to take so much off his roster, um, keep Kerfoot, and have a guy come in at a lower price tag, and that might be what's what's holding everything up, and then that just came across my mind. I was like, wait a minute, they help facilitate that Leonard deal. You know, with salary, so I mean, that might be something that they're looking for. There's a Kyle Dubas galaxy brain kind of idea right there. Well, I put it this way: maybe, uh, sorry, no whether worries. specifically they're looking to do something like that again. You know, I, I just think everything's on the table, and yep. every avenue is going to be is going to be researched to the to the nth degree. And you know, you probably picked up on it, Jamie. As I'm sure a lot of people have. Every time we get a Kyle Dubas availability. You know, one of the things Kyle stresses is, is the uh, advantage of having the cat guru on the staff like you do with Brandon Pridham. And, you know, we all know what Brandon, what uh, Pridham's history is with the NHL and everything. So there is that impact as well. And, and I don't think that any any uh, corner won't be investigated and any leaf won't be, or rock will be uh, overturned, whatever you want, however you want to put it. But, um, you know, Come April 12, when you know past the deadline, whatever the Leafs have been able to do or not do, I, I think the one thing you can guarantee is that they will investigate at every opportunity uh, that way and what you're talking about to make something happen. And you know, just because you go down those roads and investigate everything, like you say, and like Kyle said the other day, it takes 
can do all you want, but if you don't find the right trade partner and something you like, then then it's not happening. And you're not going to force yourself into doing something that you don't want to do. And I think that's one thing we've seen with this, with this group too of management is that there there is none of that. It's the same way I think that they handle injuries. I don't think you can, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, this Matthews ones is a little different because they, they, they kind of think it can't get a ton worse while he's playing. They don't rush guys back. So there's a lot of thinking that goes into that. And it's the same way that they approach trades. That, uh, you know, it's it's nothing's done uh, uh, on improv or anything like that. It's, you know, the, uh, the the staff that he has working for him, you know, looks at everything. And, you know, whether they do something like that again, uh, we'll have to see. But uh, I would certainly think it would be in the, uh, most definitely in the realm of possibilities for him. No, I, I think every like you said, everything is on the table. I, yeah. Now, the one thing I want to ask you here about the the quarantine stuff, and we we don't know if it's going to change or anything like that. But do you think the NHL? I mean, and they probably won't because it doesn't really matter to almost every other team except for the Canadian division. But where the Canadian teams kind of have to sit for fourteen days and wait for a player to come play on their roster, is there some? And it counts towards their cap, by the way. Um, you know, do you think the NHL should either a allow these Canadian teams when that player has to quarantine for 14 days? There's nothing the NHL team can do about it. Nothing Toronto, Winnipeg, Montreal doesn't matter who you are can do about that 14 day quarantine. But do you think the NHL should allow that team to shift that salary just for those days to be able to have other players in the lineup? Because you know how close these teams are to the cap. Or b do you impose the same kind of restrictions? on the American teams and say, hey, if this division has to wait 14 days for your player to come on, same thing goes for you guys. They don't have to quarantine. They can practice with you, but they can't join your roster. Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one to answer. It's, um, I think what you're getting at is should there be a level playing field for every, all 31 teams, no matter where they are geographically that way? I would say yes. How you get there is the question. Yeah. Many different right? avenues. And that's, yeah, and I know... You know, I, I still fall on the side as being absolutely as safe as possible, Jamie, uh, with, with players and health and everything. But I also know that, you know, they're getting when you're getting tested daily like they are, um, it would be an awfully extreme case, I would think, to have a guy, say, you know, in protocol for a week and not 14 days and have him end up having, you know, having a COVID-related issue and, and then give it to somebody else or whatever. Because uh, when you're getting tested, daily and all this sort of thing um, you know I don't know I just I, I know what you're saying though. there should be a level playing field for all and uh, I get that but again the, the teams certainly with, with Dubas they're kind of saying okay well this is what we have now this is what we have there's not much we can do about it it's uh, you know we'll work with, with, with what we have here and and um, be confident that the player that we get can pick it up on the fly uh, when he has to <laughs> in the most, uh, you know, demanding part of the schedule, which is the end and the push toward the playoffs. So you might be asking a bit more out of a player than you normally would, but um, you just hope that it is a level playing field for everybody. But, uh, you know, maybe, that, maybe that'll have a greater impact on trades than we're thinking. Maybe if they don't, if we get to a point now in the next few weeks uh, where there is a lot of action, does everyone kind of come off and then going into April 12th, uh, perhaps? Uh, but, you know... Um, we haven't seen anything over really substantial yet, and uh, we'll see how that goes here in the next week or so um, before we really get into the final days of April 12th. But you just hope that it's, it's level for everybody, and, and uh, each team has the right advantages or disadvantages, uh, if you will, uh, that everyone else does. 
No, you know, I can agree with that. Like I say, I just look for a level playing field. I mean, you know, the standings so far, obviously, at the Canadian Division, which is level for themselves against each other. But, I mean, if you're you're trying to win the President's Trophy or whatever you're trying to do, obviously seeding matters too in the third round of the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it, it, like you said, it is what it is. It's the cards you're dealt. You deal with them. You go forward. Uh, I got two questions left for you. I know you got to get to uh, the Leaf Zoom calls today and, uh, you know, get some more information. Um, the one question I'll start with here is for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you look at this squad, do you see them finishing number one in the North division with the, uh, you know, surge between the Edmonton Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets? Well, you know what, it it goes back to what Keith said, uh, Keith has said a few weeks ago, and he said this before they lost five of six, where one bad week can really change the fortunes for you, right? So if you're having a bad week, and the assumption is a couple other teams in your division are having a good week and or a good stretch of games, however you want to put it. And we've seen that, you know, especially with the Edmonton Oilers, excuse me, and some of the things they've been able to do. Um, but yeah, they're going to be, I, I, you know, it's interesting. But what are we at? The Cacks now are in fifth place with 32 points. Leafs Oilers tied for first with 40. Um, for the least not to finish at or near the top of the division, they have to start undoing a lot of the good things they've done, and I just don't see that with this group. So there's, I guess that's answered your question. I just, I think, I think the first, you know, 25 games or whatever it was was enough of a sample size to say, you know, yes, they've learned some things and they're taking advantage of those things they've learned, and they're playing good hockey. So I, I don't see a, a Sheldon Keith-led team falling off the map here uh, that way. Um, but again, it would be, you know, it'd be nice if there was a coincidence for you where the week that you're having a bit of an off week, if you're not playing, say, the Oilers that week, well, then someone else is taking care of them. But, you know, that hasn't happened. So, you know, um, it, it's going to be a great fight to the end. And you can't sit here right now and say, well, yes, we know the Leafs are going to finish first overall. But, you know, I don't see them falling out of the top, say, three either. If it is Edmonton, you know, Winnipeg and Toronto that finish in those uh, three spots and this is over and the last thing I want to get, obviously, we call this kind of the mid-season show for us here with you on the line. Uh, what would you give the Toronto Maple Leafs as a grade, a letter grade here through the mid-season of their uh, their trek towards the playoffs here? Well, I guess if you if you go by the rule that they haven't won or proven any or won, won anything yet, I, I would go B plus. I mean, you know, only because I you know an A minus maybe. Um, if you take the last, uh, you know, the last little spurt out, uh, and again, you know, there's probably two wins going away against Winnipeg and not a one win in overtime and a loss if, if Connor Hellebuck isn't, you know, lights out doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, and then if you win those two games, handed, like, you know, you need to get you for other teams, perhaps you have that confidence going into that third game against the Jets on that Saturday night and you win that one as well. Anyway, that's all hypothetical. It doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I think you have to give them at least a B plus here, um, or at the very least a B plus, because you know the fact of the matter is they're forty points to thirty games. They're tied for first in their uh, division. Uh, they have three games in hand on the Oilers. You should also point that out too, Jamie. That yep. uh, the Oilers have the same amount of points in um, in uh, you know three more games. So take that into consideration. Uh, the fact that the new guys have, like I said, come in and, and, and all been impactful in, in their various ways. I know we didn't really talk about T.J. Brody much, but I think he's been a real force for them on the blue line for the most part. Um, and then, you know... Isn't that a good thing, though, about the Leafs defense? If we're not talking about them, usually it's a good yep. thing because they're yep. doing their job? Yep. yep. 
that he's done all year. Yeah. I mean, he still was filling the net uh, beyond regularly uh, before this thing became an issue for him. So, but I, you, you've got to give them a high mark. And you give Kyle Dubas a, a high mark, too, for you know, the things that he was able to do uh, in the offseason and, and, and how those worked out so far. I mean, one of the things they talked about with signing these guys to a one-year contract was they're going to come in and be hungry and want to really, you know, prove that they're worthy of this and all this sort of thing and, and not that they're at their last chance in their careers, but they're close to it and they've all done that. You know, Jason Spetz, another one that they retained, has been really good for them. So, yeah, B, B plus, A minus, somewhere in that category. And, uh, you know, uh, they're confident that the, the last, you know, handful of games will be a blip for them. And, um, you know, I, I think it, this team is uh, more of what we saw before that skit happened than what it has been since. So we'll see if that holds true in the second half here. No, that's a fair grade. It's one I would have given them as well. I look forward to the remainder of the season. Look forward to the two games set against the Calgary Flames. Obviously, it'll be high octane with Muzzin and Chuck and all the boys back. Terry, I want to thank you very much, as always, for jumping on. And I look forward to speaking with you a little further down the season, see what happens after the trade deadline. Yeah, sounds good. That'd be good, Jimmy. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how it goes, but I'm, I'm guessing we'll have something to talk about. That'd be my uh, <laughs> assumption. So, <laughs> All right, Terry. Well, thank you thank very you much. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, you heard it right there. That's Terry Koshan, reporter for the Toronto Sun, covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, lots of tidbits, lots of juicy information there. So this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. <laughs> 